Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the host of Your Story Matters radio show. Today we have a special guest, Byron Jamal, and he will be talking about his new book, Unlovable, and sharing his story and the journey to getting to where he's at today. Byron, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you, Angela? Doing well, thank you, and I appreciate you being on the show and your willingness to share your story with our listeners. Yes, thank you for having me. So before we talk about the book and your organization, why don't you tell the listeners a bit about your past and how you got to the point of starting The Call Path and writing your book, Unlovable? Certainly. Uh, I was adopted, and I was adopted at an extremely early age. And so uh, from there, once I was adopted, I actually lived in Philadelphia, for, uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, and Philadelphia. My grandparents lived in Philadelphia. My parents lived in Springfield. So I was between the two quite often, and then we moved uh, at the end of my elementary school age down to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I actually went for elementary school, middle school, and high school before I went to get my bachelor's at Norfolk State University in Virginia. And from there, I came back home and worked at a church as an administrator, executive administrator, and from there went on to seminary and went to work at another church and came back to Charlotte. Now I'm working in HIV-AIDS preventative work with with a grant that's funded through the CDC. So it's exciting. But for the year that I actually was unemployed, and that was the time after I left the church and uh, in between the church and the CDC grant, I actually was unemployed for a year. Mm-hmm. And it was in that year that I actually wrote my uh, first book, which is The Call Path, which is the same name as the business, uh, but I haven't released that book yet. I'll be releasing that next year. And then at, at the end of the year, I wrote uh, Unlovable. Mm-hmm. And so it was, you know, it's amazing. I always tell people now that in the midst of, the biggest economic uh, turmoil of my life, God really blessed me to produce the two things that are really helping to fund my future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is the book and the organization. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I'm assuming through that, because we haven't talked about the book or the organization yet, that you found even more your life purpose and your niche, if you will. Yes, exactly, exactly. Because I know even myself, I mean, that's been an important journey for me to find out what I need to do and should be doing to fulfill my life calling and to live by my purpose. And I think that's a great deal of what I found in connecting with you is that that you two are doing that and also encouraging others to do that. Exactly. I, I Just a little bit about the call path, and it's exactly what you're talking about. I started the call path first as a book, and... Uh, not to go too much into the book because coming out next year, uh, but just a little bit. It actually is about the the point that all of us have a calling, mm-hmm. and that that calling puts us on a very not to get too s- super spiritual or spooky, but divine path, mm-hmm. uh, a a path that has popped out before us and that is made extremely well. Uh, I I really believe this one thing, that just like on a natural path, if you're walking through the woods, Mm -hmm. mountains, the path is already there. Mm -hmm. And everything that the path is, whether there's a straight path, whether there's a curve in it, whether there's quicksand on it, no matter what it is, 
uh, that path is the way it is. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. Mm. And if you are aware on your path, if you are fully present, Mm -hmm. if you're able to see fully, if you're able to hear fully, if you're able to uh, use all your senses to the best of your ability, then you will navigate that path to the best of your ability the way that you're supposed to. Mm. Uh, you'll see the sign that says quicksand ahead. Mm-hmm. And so whether you fall in it or not is actually your choice. Mm-hmm. But you can, if you're aware, uh, avoid it. And so I wrote this book to help people realize that whether they're a bus driver, whether they're a banker, whether they're a president, or whether they're just a worker at Poor Boys, mm-hmm. uh, they are able to appreciate the greatness of the past because it's not them that's great. So even though being the president is a great position, it's not it's not them that's great. It's the path. Mm-hmm. That all of us have a great path. And it's in the fulfillment and the walking of it and the doing it right, the doing it the way that it's intended to be done, that we achieve the greatness out of our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm trying to help people realize that, that, that really the calling, the calling that you're called to uh, is, is a great path and that all that's on it was intended just for you. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that completely. And let's go back a little bit then, because as we both know, you don't just fall into discovering your purpose and the call and the path and all those things. Um, you have to go through, I think, an awareness of what you've been through in the past, which is yeah. what your story matters is about. Your story included somewhere along the path um, some difficulties and challenges. Can you speak to the audience about some of those things that you faced and had to overcome to get you at least to that point to have that awareness of where you're at right now? Definitely. I, I was, as, as a child, I faced uh, seven years, uh, seven years of complete isolation. I was an only, I'm an only child, so uh, in my neighborhood I was actually isolated. Mm-hmm. All the kids in my neighborhood, these are people that I went to school with, people that I was in, in close proximity to, they basically shut me out because the main kid in the neighborhood, the big bully, he said, don't hang with this guy. Mm-hmm. So for seven years I was by myself. In fact, all of the people that I hung with were at least twice three times or four times my age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, in, in essence, a lonely child. Uh, it helped to spark my imagination because I had to. I mean, mm-hmm. I was, but, but it, it did lead to states of depression and uh, even to a brink of suicide mm. um, as a child. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I came to realize this one thing uh, in, the, in those moments, that there was something in me that was pushing me to live. Mm. There was something in me that was speaking that you're wonderful. You have a greater purpose. There's, there's more for you. Mm-hmm. And, and that something that kept speaking to me encouraged me to live beyond the pain and beyond the isolation. And so my story is, is not, you know, people look at me now and they say, wow, you, you've got so many things going on and going for you. Um, but, but they don't realize that a lot of times you have to come through the things that you've been through in order to get to the great place that you feel you are, and that especially I feel that I am today. Mm-hmm. But it is just awareness. Because for me, uh, and I write this actually in, in the call path, the book, uh, there is this moment where you realize that your baggage of your past is really your blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you realize that the things that you've been through were really just preparation. And I, I use this analogy that when you're going through the airport and you're going somewhere for a long time, what do you do? You take bags. Mm-hmm. 
you take baggage, and that baggage normally, uh, normally has a negative connotation. But the truth is, if you take baggage with you, it's an indication that the things that you're taking are necessary for the journey. Mm. And so I, I realized that every bit of baggage I have in my life was necessary for my journey, and I'm grateful because they helped me to be the person that I am today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I agree with you 100%. And I think that in itself is all about perception. We can continue yeah. to be a victim of our circumstances and feel sorry for ourselves or feel like we've been cheated out of whatever and, you know, live our lives accordingly. Or we can say, you know what, here's the things that have happened. What can I learn from that and what can I do with that? And as yeah. you said, it can truly be a blessing when you totally can understand that, heal from whatever in that, whether it's fear or anger or guilt and shame and move on to really have the life that we're all destined to have, which is a wonderful life. Exactly. So you went through all that, you had the year off and during that year, is that when, you know, you decided to really do something on your own instead of going back to the corporate setting or how did that kind of come about? Well, I was sitting, I was sitting, uh, literally when I, I left, uh, the job in Atlanta, I was, I, I left and I was really broken. I, it was a, it was a broken place for me. I was hurt. I'd been really abused. I'd been really used. And I was leaving that place and I knew that either I was going to give up or I was going to push ahead. Mm-hmm. And in the moment that I decided to, to again, push ahead was the moment that the idea, the concept, the purpose, despite your pain, the call path came to my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it pushed me. And then as, as I released that understanding and released that amount of, uh, when I pushed through that amount of pain and, and wrote that first book, that's when I got to unlovable. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that we're all called to be loved. And so, yes, it was necessary. It was extremely necessary for me to go through those things and to push through them to get to. And that's when I realized, that's exactly what I realized. You're right. That I, did not want to do anything for anybody else in that season. Uh, I, I can't say that I initially wanted that because, of course, the security of the security of a nine to five is beautiful mm-hmm. uh, in the in the essence of, of expecting a check. But I also understand that uh, there is such greatness in in those who can step out mm-hmm. and step out on great faith and do something for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, because every job that you, you go on that, that pays you a, a check, uh, somebody had to step out on faith for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I believe everybody has something in them that they have to step out on faith for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was my this has been my season of writing at least these two and, and more to come. But I definitely knew, I knew that I had to step out and do this for myself in this season of time. Mm-hmm. And I really believe in timing. Mm-hmm. So I believe that God allowed me to have the, the season of of no job uh, in order to write and have time to write and get accustomed to writing and have security in my writing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That totally makes sense. And and I know that, again, it's what you do with your circumstance. Um, people often, especially these days, face being laid off, uh, job opportunities go away, they have to, they're forced into early retirement, etc. And it is really about what are you going to do with that? How That's are you right. going to let it affect you? That's right. 
So what is Unlovable about? Tell the listeners what the book is about and what compelled you to write that book. Of course. Um, I go back. When I was finishing up the call path, I finished the section of what we're called to do. Uh, I talk about what we're called from and what we're called to in the greatness of our of our lives. Uh, but then I, I get to this point where I start talking about what we're called to do, and I realized that the three things that we're called to do is to love God, love each other, and love ourselves. And there is such greatness in this commandment of love. Uh, and I realized that the Scripture even tells us that God is love. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as I, as I begin to talk and, and, and write more about love and, and get more understanding and clarity about what this thing is that we call love, I realize that there is no way God cannot love us because God is love. So if God takes away love from us, God is taking away himself. Mm. Um, and so I begin to think if God made us in God's own image, then that means that when we take love away from ourselves, we are taking away the God nature that God already put in us. Mm-hmm. And we're separating ourselves from the link that we have with God. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I began to write this book dealing with a pastor, a stripper, and an athlete mm. who all have different issues that make them feel unlovable. Mm-hmm. And it's their journey of how they find love in themselves and with each other. Mm. I wrote a pastor because a pastor represents the faith community. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to address that even those who are clergy or who are in church, who go to church regularly or maybe even irregularly, can feel unlovable. Mm-hmm. That you could be working in a religious institution and still feel disconnected from the love that you have for yourself and that comes from others. Mm-hmm. I wrote it stripper because that's an occupation that isn't really esteemed. Mm-hmm. And that's for those people who are in occupations that they don't feel are too honorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't feel like, they feel like going to church, they would be looked at or there would be a bad eye cast on them. Mm. Uh, and so they're trying to find love in themselves. They're trying to receive love from others and, and believe that God really loves them, but they're having a hard time just by the job that they work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that they put food on the table for the children. And then I wrote in an athlete because athletes are a part of that dynamic in our culture that is like uh, singers or uh, like dancers or, or rappers. You know, they're celebrity status. Mm-hmm. Athletes get to be esteemed. And so I, I wrote in a preacher that represents faith, strippers that rep- represent the other, the other end of the spectrum, the, the, those who aren't esteemed, and then celebrities. I, to say this, that everybody, anybody, can feel unlovable. Mm-hmm. It, it, it can happen in a moment because of a certain change in your life. I was watching this show, um, and, and it was about this family that was used to a higher income, mm-hmm. and they began to get a lower income, and that made the mother and father and, and the kids feel unlovable mm-hmm. by their former friends. Mm-hmm. Just that fast. Mm-hmm. Their whole perception of themselves and the, the, the perceived notion of what others are thinking of them uh, shifts just that fast. And so I'm trying to help people realize that you will always be lovable if you love yourself. Absolutely. God made you in the image of love because he made you in the image of himself. Mm-hmm. And so that's the premise of the book, to really help people get back to this place where they love themselves no 
matter what. Mm, that's powerful, and I agree with you right there. Uh, having um, gone through my own healing and being a counselor, I know that that is the key because you can give people tips and skills and they can read books and do all kinds of things. Yes. But if they don't yes. get to the core of it, which is that healing to be able to love themselves, they will just keep coming back around to the same thing again and again. And usually the same people and circumstances that are not good for them. Exactly, Angela. And that's exactly why I wrote a novel. That I, you know, I, I wrote an inspirational book, so I know what that's like. But I wanted to write a novel because I believe that there's so much power that we get from looking at the lives of others, mm -hmm. even if they're fictitious. Looking at the lives of others who are able to show us how they work through their process. To show them, to show the real pain, the real tears, the real struggle, and, and to see ourselves in those characters, it really does something where no one's preaching at us, mm -hmm. but we're able to have self-reflection. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But I want to ask you, I mean, can you share with our listeners, what were some of the key things for you that helped you to feel that you were lovable? Because you had gone through this situation, and, and you were hurt, yeah. as you said, and and now you were faced with no job and no income. Was there something in particular that you can share with the listeners that you actually did, something tangible to say, look, this is how I'm going to start this healing process? Because as you, we, I, we both know, we can't just wake up one day and say, you know what, darn it, I am lovable. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right. Here, here's what I could say to, to anyone, because I believe everyone has their path and their process. Mm -hmm. um, I came to this point where I realized, despite everything I've been through, despite every setback, despite every obstacle, despite every disappointment and every betrayal, I'm still here. Mm -hmm. And that had to account for something. Mm -hmm. That had to account that through every accident and every situation where I could have died, I survived. Mm. So God has to love me. Mm -hmm. There has to be more for me. There has to be a greater thing that I'm called to do and a greater person I'm called to become. And so when I had that personal awakening, it was, it was like, uh, and I'm, I'm writing this in a new book, so I, uh, my, allow me to share this a little bit. Um, I'm writing this part in here where have a character that's waking up and in their dream, they're everything they want to be, mm -hmm. everything they believe they could be, but awake, they're hindered by their fear and anxiety. They're hindered by the, the, the opinions of others. Mm -hmm. They're hindered by the money they don't have mm -hmm. or the education they don't have or the status they don't have. Mm -hmm. But in their dreams, they're able to obtain everything that they see for their lives. Mm -hmm. And I came to realize this one thing. If we could live like we're always just waking up, then we would obtain everything that God had for us. Mm. If we could live in, in that moment where you're just waking up, before, before the parameters of your four walls come in, mm -hmm. before, you, you, before you see... The living situation you're in, you don't you don't even know what kind of bed you're in. Mm -hmm. You don't even know where you're waking up to because in that moment you're where you're in your dream still. You're in that state of the in between. Mm -hmm. And if we could get to the, always live in that place where we are just waking up, where we could see 
beyond the parameters of our situation, of our current reality, if we could see beyond the pain, if we could see beyond the setbacks, if we could see beyond the, the shortcomings, mm. then we could obtain it. And I had that moment in my life where I got stuck in the in-between. Mm -hmm. And I realized I can if I believe I can. Mm -hmm. I can do it if I believe I can do it. And it was really that simple. I got stuck. And getting stuck happened because I realized I was loved and I'm still here. And I had enough in me because it was placed in me to overcome. Mm. That's powerful. I, I just, I totally agree with what you're saying. I totally get that. And in that, were there people around you that were able to support you during this challenging time in your life and give you some support and encouragement? Or were there people saying, wow, you're really out there with this, you know? Because <laughs> we know sometimes you know, that happens. We have revelations and people just look at us like, really? <laughs> oh, uh, well, I can definitely say I lost some associations in the writing process because it took, I was completely immersed in the process, completely mm -hmm. shut up. And, you know, I was terrible coffee at Starbucks and at the library. I was writing and writing and writing. And there are people who, you know, they, they needed or craved more attention than I could give at that moment. Mm -hmm. But I knew it. I knew the purpose I had. But, but here's the thing. When you're going through something, there, I believe there are always people who are rooting for you. Mm -hmm. uh, most people have somebody even if it's just the person at the grocery store who wants the best for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're not able to see love for yourself, you can't see it from others. Mm -hmm. In fact, I really believe uh, John Maxwell has this principle that's called the law of the lid, that we can give out leaders. He says that leaders, uh, well, I should say the followers, will only be as great as their leaders mm -hmm. uh, because there's a cap or what a follower can do beyond uh, that of a leader. And I believe the same principle applies to love, mm -hmm. that you can't give out any more love than you have for yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can't see any more love from others than you have for yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, people can try to give you all the love in the world, but if you can't see it. And so I believe that there was a moment in my awakening that I was able to see the love, and that love propelled me. It pushed me. There were people who were supporting me, and they had been there before, but I was finally able to fully see how much they really loved me and supported me and wanted the best for me and, and were encouraging me and wanted me to, to, to thrive and be successful and prosperous. Mm -hmm. So uh, that awakening, that moment of clarity is what really pushes everything forward. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's I'm a good excited. point to make. Yeah. I mean, it really is because I think that, you know, realizing the people who are around you, whether they're already around you or they come into your life at these certain intervals where we really need that encouragement and support is very powerful. Yes. And yes. I'm assuming then, based on what you said, you were also then in turn able to be more loving and free to open up yourself more to others around you. Entirely. I, I, I remember, uh, and it's funny in hindsight, relationships that have failed, uh, because I was very closed mm -hmm. and uh, what I was told secretive uh, because I didn't want to share emotions or feelings or what I was experiencing in my pain. Mm -hmm. And now I'm the type of person, you know, and even, 
even then, and let me let me stay here for a second. Even then, I was uh, the type of person that if somebody did something, I wouldn't want to create confrontation mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't want to stir up anything because mm-hmm. I, I wanted as many people to like me as possible. So I would do things that I wouldn't want to do because I wanted people to like me, ultimately love me, uh, because uh, I knew what it was like to have people not like me. And the more that I just went along to get along, I felt like they would just, they would want me around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And now that I love myself, I realize that when I love me, it's attractive. Mm -hmm. It it emanates and people realize this, this guy has got something. There's something on him. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I hear that, and I realize it's simply. It's not. It doesn't matter how attractive you are. Doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. Doesn't matter the clothes you wear. When you love yourself, when you understand that there is love all around you, that you are loved by the eternal, that you are, that you can hold love for yourself and really appreciate who you are as an individual created for the earth, then you you emit something that's different, mm-hmm. and and there is this this radiance that people are drawn to. And so no matter whether you speak your mind or not, no matter uh, how much you share or not, there is, this, there is this greatness that people are drawn to. But, yes, it has made me share more. It has made me more vocal. Mm-hmm. It has made me more personable. It has made me more approachable. It, 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 love, love just does that. It, mm-hmm. it, is, it is an amazing force that when we really tap into it, when our country taps into it, when our country gets back to being a country of love, then we, we will see that we will have the kind of peace with other nations. Mm. We will have the kind of peace within our borders. Uh, that, that, that our situation, the kind of things we're talking about on the news will change. Mm-hmm. Murder rates will go down. Uh, suicides will go down because love is that force. And mm-hmm. I know it's, it sounds to some like a, a hippie movement, but it is, <laughs> it, is, it is the eternal that really moves everything, that mm-hmm. everything is held in the balance because of love. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I really do. Um, so tell the listeners before we wrap up the show, what is the Call Path organization about? What was the founding purpose of that? Certainly. It is a, it's an organization that helps other organizations through counseling, consulting. Um, through We come in and, and do some work with businesses and, and ministries, individuals, helping them find their individual path. And, and for some, stay true to their path. I've gone to a number of churches and seen that they're trying to copy or mimic another ministry. And I ask, you know, what, what do you feel like your calling is? What is your specific thing? And helping them stay true and get back to that. Uh, and, and really helping individuals do the same. And so our whole business is consulting and, and even development of logos and websites that stay true to purpose and calling. It's all about being true to the individual call. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, 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 the business, the call path, really helps people stay true to their path, their individual specific uh, mapped out path that was individual for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's what I do in my uh business as well. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting because I know that a lot of people are seeking those answers and they have an idea or a concept or they even know, you know, what they want to do because they like to do something in particular, but they're missing the other pieces of it. And definitely I see quite often where they have something really great and valuable, whether it's a product or service, but they don't have it all wrapped into presenting the image of this is what our core beliefs are, these are our values, and this is what we're setting out to do, our mission. 
Exactly. So that's awesome. And how would people reach you if they're interested in the call path or getting your book, Unlovable? Certainly. Uh, the easiest way to reach me is just my name. It's byronjamal.com. That's B-Y-R-O-N-J-A-M-A-L.com. Or you can go to thecallpath.com, and that's just like it sounds, the, T-H-E, call, C-A-L-L, path, P-A-T-H.com. Wonderful. Well, Byron, I appreciate you being on the show and sharing part of your amazing story. It's been very encouraging and inspiring to me, and I'm sure it will be to others. I'm looking forward to reading your book, and I definitely would like to invite you to come back when the call path is ready to be launched and share some more about that so that we can encourage uh, listeners to pick up that book also and learn about their calling and their path. Oh, Angela, I appreciate that. I look forward to the same. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, an amazing pleasure, and I look forward to reconnecting again.